Welcome to VC for Stupid Idiots. We are your idiots, Marianne, Michelle, and Francesco from NomadicMinds.Capital. Here, we interview the best investors on the planet to learn their secrets and tell them a lot of bad jokes. Then, we use their knowledge to invest in emerging market startups. Because this is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty and make outstanding returns. If you want to see what we are investing in this week, please join us at pneumaticminds.capital. Hello and welcome to VCs for Stupid Idiots. And we have a superstar guest with us today, Ashley Flukas. Ashley, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So um, I started my career uh, as a capital markets lawyer, um, practiced in London for a while uh, before coming back to the States eight years ago. Kind of did a mix of everything in capital markets, public, private, debt, equity. Um, it was around that time that I first kind of got the idea that I really wanted to get involved in venture. It just took me a long time to actually pull the trigger on that. Present day outside of venture, I'm a partner at a real estate group. Uh, we do real estate development. We have a commercial real estate fund and we own a sports arena in New York called Nassau Coliseum. I started getting active in venture about three years ago um, and basically it was a full-blown addiction. It started off just me. Uh, investing uh, personal capital, uh, and then it's seemingly every year kind of upping the ante. And in the last year and some change culminated uh, with me running a syndicate uh, on the AngelList platform uh, with about 2,600 investors right now. And it's uh, it's been quite a ride. So what's the one thing that really excites you about uh, investing in venture capital? You know, I, I think the, the, the part that's most addictive besides obviously the potential for, for asymmetric upside, the times that you are right, um, is I think there's kind of a, a contact high associated with being, with working with entrepreneurs, right? Like when you're, when you're, when you're doing all these deals, you're talking to some of the most ambitious people you could ever ho- hope to meet solving uh, some of the biggest problems and challenges you can think of. And so uh, you know, working in this space means always interacting with that kind of people around that kind of hustle and that kind of vision. Um, it's inspiring. It's addictive. And so, like I said, I just think there's kind of a contact high in, in that aspect of it, which makes it a lot of fun because there are a ton of ways and there are less risky ways to make money. But I think that aspect of venture is is fairly unique. Yeah, that is inspiring. I mean, I want to become an angel investor right now after hearing after hearing all of that. Um, can so you share actually, the story? B- before we, we dive into the successful story, you know what's yeah. red and bad for, for your teeth? For my teeth? No. Yeah. A break. Yeah. Um, so apart from this, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Marianne was saying, yeah, is there any specific trait that connect to your successes, like venture successes? Yeah. Like yeah. you say, uh, th- all those funders looking back I could really see that we're more ambitious than more ambitious than the others. 
Um, you know, not, not necessarily because some of my deals, particularly in the beginning as an investors were, were through other syndicates or connected with other investors. And I didn't necessarily have a deep relationship with the team to even be able to gauge those traits. I mean, there's things that you could look for as a proxy, but frankly, a, a number of founders seem, uh, seem to be straight out of central casting sometimes in terms of similar education and bio and all of that. For me, I realized the thing that was kind of unifying um, the companies that I liked and the companies that went did really well were the companies who were really smart and ruthlessly executed around distribution. And so for me, that's the, the number one thing that I look for. And even though people might look at my portfolio and it's like I'm involved, I'm invested in so many different types of things. It's like, what are like what's behind it? But that's what I see behind it. And the, the factor that I focus, you know, outside of things like biotech, et cetera, which are a little different, but that's the thing that I hone in on the most. Got it. And um, so let's suppose I just help our three listeners understand better. Let's suppose I introduce you a founder, okay? Today, tomorrow I call you up and you tell me, this is the best deal I've ever seen this month. What this guy had possibly said to you <laughs> um it, what he what he would have would have said to me one um it would be someone who i really thought had a deep deep understanding of their market you know for example when i ask someone about competition and they act like it doesn't exist that's like a big turnoff to me i love the people who can spout off a b and c and then tell me exactly why they're gonna win so that, that always impresses me. Number two, like I said, um, on, related to the distribution standpoint, you can have a mediocre idea, but a brilliant plan about how to, how to execute it and have a really great company. Similarly, you can tell me you have an amazing idea, but you have no idea how you're going to get it out there besides buying some Facebook ads. And that's not really going to appeal to me. So the person who's really going to excite me is telling me exactly what they've thought about um, from a distribution standpoint um, to like, really scale it up and really scale it up rapidly that's gonna that's going to get me excited um and then there's someone who who has the hustle and the vision where you know they they absolutely either either defining a new category or have a plan to absolutely dominate one that's um that's fragmented yeah so and another question like you say you do a lot of emerging markets okay so yep. and you are an absolute expert when you come to market that are overlooked by the average VC. What do you, what do you think of the definition of copycats? Would you define, so you invest in Yummy for instance, would you define Yummy as a copycat of a super app? Or you think they're standing in their own category? Do you think that being a copycat, to be honest, who gives a who gives a damn what a copycat is? I just want to make money and copy and established business model are a good way to make money. What do you think? Yeah, so um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a, a bad term because, frankly, one thing that I I look for, I've certainly done some emerging markets deal where they're kind of defining their own category, but with emerging markets, I absolutely love when they're taking a, a playbook that you know works because we've seen it tested in the U.S. or Europe or wherever. And then you put an incredible team, you arm them with some capital, and, and you really get a feel that they understand the local nuances that the bigger guys like the U.S. or European or whoever players wouldn't understand and, and how you maybe have to change the dynamics a bit 
to, to adjust to the local dynamics. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. And so um, I'm a huge fan of someone who is insert unicorn for Latam or Pakistan or Mina or whatever else. Um, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And, um, and they put their own spend to it. And so I don't think there's this, this idea that you have to uh, just come up with something out of thin air is, 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 is not the case. You can take something that works and tweak it and adjust it for, for what's local. And so I'm a huge fan uh, of that playbook, you know, actually with Yummy, maybe it's a bit of both, right? Because globally, they're not, I, there's very few examples of what you could even consider having pulled off a super app. Nobody's done it in the U.S. Everyone would love to do it. So in that sense, um, you know, the idea of, of, a, of a super app has been out there, but the way they're executing on it, there are very few global comps. And frankly, I don't think they have a U.S. comp because nobody, <laughs> nobody kids has been able to do that um, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then there's also a thing that I, I always say, I don't know if it's right, you correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, we go to no, DoorDash or Uber, okay? All these big guys, they, they are now successful because someone back in 2012, 2013 invested in them, but also invested in seven, six, five competitors with different models. And at the end of the day, one succeeded and the other one probably failed. So it cost a lot of money to, yeah, both understand what's the right business model for the specific category. And also it cost a lot of money to identify what practice actually works. Right now in emerging markets, a big opportunity because those guys, they don't want to be there because emerging markets are not that cool. But and a local founder can create a good company using the playbook to create mm -hmm. something big. And you're gonna save, yeah, basically we save a lot of money of experimenting stuff they've done it for us. So yeah. So how do you source companies? Or how a company can find you? Or do you like, do you like email them? How does it work? Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it it's changed over time. Now it's like 90% inbound. Um, and I just think the, the, the deeper you get into this ecosystem, I think that starts to that change. In the beginning, um, it was a lot of like hustling, cold outreach, demo days, that kind of thing. Um, but then as I built out the syndicate, built out the portfolio, then it started to change, right? So um, for uh, I get a lot of deals from founders. Usually if founders have a good experience um, with you, they tend to know other founders. So you get the referrals there. I get people inbound because they can see other deals that I've invested in. Still do some of the demo days as well. Syndicate members, um, you know, they're thousands of people that I share deals with and they, they share them they share them back as, as well um, other people and then you know just other people who are in these who are in the ecosystem um, whether um, there are certain funds that will send deals um, there are other people running syndicates as well who share deals and so at this point it's mostly inbound but you know if, if I see something that I think is interesting I'm, I'm not afraid to, to to reach out um, and, and just see what happens can you share us a story of like one of your best investments most exciting investments like also sh share also like what what they told you during the meeting like this cool fact that you can think right now oh yeah I can see that being good <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's, um, 
good question. It, it's hard. It's it's like you're like it would be like yes, like when people are asked to pick like a favorite country or kid or something like that. There there's a number <laughs> to choose from, right. <laughs> a, a number to choose from, and 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 for different and for different reasons. You know, trying to think of of one that would be one cool. I guess one of my favorites actually. Um, they'll they'll, they'll soon be making uh, some big announcements. A company called uh, Turing, and it, it, I, I really like the company because I think I saw something interesting in them before it really blew up and then just my journey with them as an investor. So I actually first uh, invested with them through another syndicate. So like passively when they were pre-revenue and then met them later in time and then started and then have invested in their last, their last few rounds. Turing, basically, they were really early on the thesis about distributed remote work, and they were doing so by building out, helping companies build basically like Google quality engineers, but globally and realizing there's price arbitrage, that work could be distributed, be remote, and this was before COVID. And and then, you know, some of the things that they were doing um, from a, a potential sales and distribution standpoint, I was like, Wow, this is really brilliant. And so went in early there and then now, I mean, the, the growth from, from pre-revenue just a couple of years ago to incredible growth and soon to be announced pretty hefty valuation. That was definitely one of more my more exciting deals for sure. And why dinosaurs? Why they don't talk? <laughs> I have no idea. Because they're dead. So, <laughs> that was an easy one. So, um, oh. go, yeah, maybe you go near the question. Did you hear about the guy that invented the knock-knock joke? No. He won a Nobel Prize. Uh-huh. <laughs> really bad. Are, you, are, you, are you guys like stealing these uh-huh. from popsicles or something? <laughs> I'm so yeah, the inside of uh, Chappies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, after we just drag our reputation literally and hit the rock bottom, then uh, going back on VC part, what advice would you give to founder pitching Ashley? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I just I honed in earlier on some of the things that I look for, but yeah, I, I think for anybody pitching me, like I'm pretty like open. One sentence advice, yeah, like one thing. <laughs> All right, then, then you got to show Ashley your your vision of how you're absolutely gonna dominate the category that you're in. Okay, and uh, one sentence advice to all the investors that wanna learn how to decide better. To learn how to decide better, um, do do get started as soon as you can and take in as much data as you can. Use everything as an opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And another thing, so you have one of the most popular uh, angelist syndicates out there. Okay, there's probably like five or six people with the same numbers you have. Probably ten right now. Anyway, can you share the story on how did you manage to grow your community over there or your LPLs, as you want to call it? And what are the, let's say, the, the key factors 
that made you stand down from the crowd? A few things. One, I my first deal, I partnered very other or very early on with another amazing syndicate called Unpopular Ventures, um, run by <laughs> Peter Livingston. And I, I did one of my first deals with him and uh, he was just such an amazing partner and gave my syndicate such visibility that that right away gave me a great start. And then from there, it was a few different things. One, by having a regular cadence of high quality deals. So being being visible, kind of always, quote, being in the market, um, I think that's important. Number two, and it was exhausting, but kind of having an always say yes mentality. So when people like yourself hit me up and are like, hey, you want to be on my podcast or do whatever? I just say yes. Um, and the number of people who reach out to me or apply to the syndicate or send me opportunities who are just like, I heard you on such and such has been incredible. So, but having, having, having that mindset for sure can contributed. And then obviously you've got to, you've got to keep the, the, besides the cadence, you got to keep the quality up and you build that trust with your audience over time. And you know, all the time I get people apply and they're just like, yeah, my friend said, I have to sign up for your syndicate. Right. And would you do our podcast again if you knew about the jokes? Yes, I would still endure. Oh, man. That's great. <laughs> great. And uh, Mary, do you have any question? What do you think is the hottest industry right now? I mean, everything associated with crypto, honestly, <laughs> from crypto to NFTs, blocks, the whole, the whole universe is probably yeah. like the hottest. Second being just old general fintech, I think, from what I see. And one more question. Who's your biggest inspiration? In my life? Yeah. Uh, my mom. Oh. That's good. The first <laughs> time a guest mentioned a mom. <laughs> I guess uh, didn't mention the dog kind of though. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what you say. I'm, 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 I'm just kidding. Yeah. I meant to say Elon Musk. No, We appreciate Mrs. Flukas. Thank you, Mrs. Flukas, for bringing us Ashley here. And so, regarding uh, regarding also like the way you approach the decision making process when a company comes up, what what do you think is the key factor to look for in the team? How and how did you like how you decide if the, a team have it or not? So you're looking for specific CV, specific schools, or you're looking for specific consultant experience? You know, like this that is the big trendy thing about uh, financing this McKinsey guys. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes your job is easy when you when you're fortunate enough and you meet repeat founders. Whether whether they succeeded or failed, there's a lot of data there. Um, the ones that failed can be really good too, especially if they can explain to you what they learned from that. And then, of course, the ones who've succeeded, um, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to succeed at the next the next thing, but it tells you a lot about them. Um, when you don't have that track record, I, I won't say there's any specific background that I look for. Like, I'm not elitist in terms of you've got to be. I really honestly don't care what schools and stuff that you went to. I really don't think that's matter. Some of the wealthiest people I know didn't even go to college. So 
I, I think I'm more so looking for that hustle and you seeing those things that I for um, more so than I am any specific background. Um, you having whatever MBA or going to this school or working for this consulting firm. I mean, that that's that's meaningless to me. To me, that means and I don't mean to denigrate that because I, I you know have that kind of background, too. But it means that you're very good at following a set of rules and maybe had some luck involved. It doesn't mean you can run a company. So I'm, I'm looking for, for those, for those other things. People have the leadership, the vision, the hustle, et cetera. And that's not tied to any specific um, resume. That's another reason I love emerging markets because, you know, you definitely get some different education and stuff out there, but usually the founders like are, just have a different kind of hustle. And I really relate to that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like it's not that difficult to find. Yeah. I'll stand for it. Graduate in, no. uh, yeah. in, in, in yeah in Nigeria. <laughs> I, I I definitely guess if you want to do emerging markets, you also need to get rid of those mentality. What about what do you call a fly with no wings? I had no idea. A walk. So. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the last question I promise, and definitely like one of the last jokes. So. When I start investing, I've been told a, a story, and that's particularly true when you're running a syndicate, and is looking for strong leads. Mm -hmm. So if a round is led by Axel, Andreessen, mm -hmm. whatever, just try to get a location there. Do you agree with that? Do you think is the like? Do you think is the main strategy? Do you think is one of the strategies? Do you think is like? Do you think actually you don't you don't care? You are more you are as able as them to find good deals. What do you think? I mean, I think if 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 you're you're a fool if you see a deal with those kind of investors and you don't look into it for sure. But I don't think that necessarily is going to tell you um, about the success of a deal or not. Especially, and it's less especially early stage. It's a little different. If it's late stage, uh, possibly that's a different set of evaluation. But early stage. Like you said, it's it's worth a look at if uh, if smart people are looking at it, but that won't that won't necessarily tell you about the success of it. And then one thing in venture you have to worry about is like adverse selection, right? So you're getting this deal from Sequoia, Excel, et cetera, but they're not a hundred percent of their companies don't do well. Um, and so you might be getting a deal that's backed by smart people, but it might be one of the ones that's struggling in their portfolio. So you've still got to kind of separate those names and just look at it, look at the deal for what it is and use your normal set of criteria. And then, I mean, it has happened. Like I get deals sometimes and they have these amazing investors and I pass because I just don't see it or believe in it. Or I see some things that are problematic to me. And I'll see other people work on the deal and invest in it good for them. But at the end of the day, I think that was one of my earliest lessons in venture is, you know, there's, this is still like some people, it's still educated guess, but it's, it's a guess, especially early stage. And so just hurting into a deal because other top people in it is an easy way to lose money sometimes. So you still have to trust your own instincts. Yeah, that's the thing, and that I, 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 I mean, I super agree with that. And to be honest, like this whole thing that you come, no, nobody's able to source good companies. Just the top guys are. I mean, it sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah, got it. Cool. So uh, maybe we'll do like we'll ask you three questions right now, super fast. 
And the, the game is you reply with a one sentence of one word. You ready? Okay. Oh, I'll do it. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, so, do it. Okay, so first question. What country are you, well, in terms of startup ecosystem, are you expecting a massive growth in the next year or two? Mexico. Got it. And who are, according to you, the most overlooked industries right now? So industries that are not hot like NFTs and stuff, but still there's a lot of opportunity. Well, that's hard because it feels like everything is, is getting money these days. But I still think, God, what would I say? Going through my brain here. I still think there's still some stuff within logistics that's probably, and, and some legacy stuff there that's still probably unsexy, but... It is still not getting enough attention. Yeah, definitely. And the, the the last one, if you have to give one sentence of advice to all the founders out there, what that could be? This is this, this is the greatest time in history to be a founder right now. So capitalize. If you're thinking about doing something, if you're thinking about raising, if you're thinking about starting something, this is absolutely a, uh, I guess, a seller's market. So so get out there right now and take advantage. Got it. And favorite Netflix TV show? Mm, great question. Like right now. Uh, I just watched the third season of You. Yeah, that's okay. a, that's that's on my uh, that's right. on my radar right now. And what does my grandmother's teeth and the star have in common? <laughs> oh God, no idea. They both comes out tonight. So uh, thank you for our wonderful guest, <laughs> Ashley. Gosh, I don't know why I'm still here. So uh, thanks to Ashley for this amazing episode and it's been great to speak with you Ashley and yeah thanks to all our two listeners to be <laughs> to still listen to us and our awful jokes and let's see each other in the next episode.